Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Today is Friday, May 13, 2022, and this is a 7 a.m. meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Bill's story. We're on page three, the third paragraph, which begins with, In 1929, I contracted golf fever, ending with in and out of his till with the muse skepticism. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Marie B., the 12 Traditions, Mary Lou G., the readers of the text are Barbara E., Anne-Marie M., and Dara L. is our backup person. The newcomer greeter will be Jason K., and the host for the second hour, Barbara P. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, May 12, are these. The 7 a.m. meeting, 18,946, 18946. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 18,947, 18947. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Marie B., to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Marie. Good morning. This is Marie B. in Florida, um, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Here the steps was adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible. 
except when to do so would injure them or others, and 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you for letting me read this morning. Well, thank you for your service, Marie B. And now, Mary Lou G. for the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Mary Lou G. from Massachusetts. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, TV, and other means of public communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Mary Lou G. And now, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderator is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Then once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book in Bill's story on page 3, the third paragraph, which begins with, In 1929 I contracted golf fever, and ending in, In and out of his till with amused skepticism. And I'm going to ask Barbara E. to start that reading for us. Good morning, Barbara. Ah, good morning. This is Barbara E. in Newark, Newark, in West Orange, New Jersey. Thank you, Penny C., for your dedicated service and for every one of you here this Friday morning. Well, here we go. In 1929, I contracted golf fever. We went at once to the country, my wife to applause while, while I started out to overtake Walter Hagen. Liquor caught up with me much faster than I caught up behind Walter. I began to be jittery in the morning. Golf permitted me every day and every night, drinking every day and every night. It was fun to carom around the exclusive golf course, which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. I inquired the impeccable coat of tan one sees upon the well-to-do. The local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till with amused skepticism. Well, I've struggled with weight issues all my life. I was born with the disease of more. I was never full. Foods were never too rich. And as I grew, so did my disease and my weight. I actively looked for binge buddies, and as I grew up in New York City, an overeater's idea of heaven, I gained and lost over 100 pounds many times before I was finally introduced to OA. My mom was concerned. My doctors were concerned. At work, we had an hour off for lunch, and I spent so much time going from one fast food place to another that my principal was concerned and reprimanded me because I'd return late, leaving my students unsupervised. My husband was concerned and my kids were frightened, confused, and damaged by my mood swings caused by my eating disorder. I was so consumed with the size of my body that I avoided going to weddings, family funerals, social gatherings, and family events. And that meant my kids and husbands, too, couldn't go. I was sure people were judging me, whispering about me, laughing about me. The perfect definition of an egotist with an inferiority complex. And unfortunately, my children learned to judge themselves by their body image, too. I had a serious problem and it was smothering me and my family. I was sure nothing could fix me. My mind was broken. What was I to do? But God took pity on me, and I was introduced to Overeaters Anonymous, and life changed for me, not quickly, but in God's time. So today, two decades later, I use all the tools, which are the handrails that help me climb the 12 steps to food neutrality and peace. I weigh, I pray, I pause, which for me means practice acceptance until serenity emerges. 
I work with others, and I learn so much from them. To see them start like a little seed, like a container to protect a sleeping plant that, well, when it wakes up through this beautiful program, blossom and grow in the sunlight. Before I joined OA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world judged me by my actions. So now I try to focus on what's good in the world because when I do, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. I realize I can't go back and undo my past, but I can make a brand new start and have a wonderful ending to my journey of life. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. And now before we take uh, names for people who would like to share for three minutes each, I just want to remind you that at this meeting we ask that even though we do value everyone's share, that we limit our sharing to every third day. So if um, anyone has shared on Wednesday or Thursday at any of these Vision for You meetings, we ask you to hold back and um, allow other voices to be heard. And who would like to share then? Madam. Madam. Rick J. Nessa R. Nessa R. Roz G. Loretta H. Roz G. Who was after Nessa Roz? Anna okay. W. Who was that last person? Anna W. Anna W. Okay, hold on and let me read who I have, all right? We have Matt M., uh, Rick, Nessa, Roz G., Anna W., and let's have one more. Carla Lance S. G. Carla? Carla S. Carla S. Okay, that's we're going to start with that group. Matt Matt M. And if I don't have your last initial, please tell me but, when you see yeah. Thank you, Patty. Can you hear Patty? Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Go ahead, Matt. Okay. Thank you. This is Matt M. Compulsive Over Eater from New Jersey. I'm going to tie this into Bill W.'s story in a second. I just want to say, like you know, I'm glad to be back. And I know how Bill was. What Bill was going through. He was his ego was getting the best of him. Just like mine got the best of me. I recently put on 70 pounds. I was in the hospital, and um, I was very ill. And I know what he was going through with his ego taking over. He could do everything. He was imbe- he was invincible. He's got this. And that was my attitude. I thought I had everything in the program because I went through the steps. I had everything down, and I knew what was going on. And, uh, you know, I, I realized that, you know, I don't have all the answers, and I'm just another sardine in the can, another bozo on the bus, as one of my friends told me. My close friends, and uh, I'm no better than or worse than anybody else. I'm just me, and I'm back, and I'm very grateful that you know this disease is this disease can kill. I really can. Has the ability to come into your brain and twist and turn everything about you that you think you know, and your thoughts and your feelings, and and make it make it all about it. And I don't want this disease to have any more control over me than it does already. So. I'm very grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm reading a big book with about Bill and other, other other stories and other people, and I'm calling other people to ask their advice. And uh, I have my surgery date for, for weight loss surgery, which I need for my own health, and I'm very grateful that I don't have to be like Bill. I can, I can take the blinders off my eyes, and I can see what's in front of me, and I don't have to be in denial anymore about it. Because this is, like I said, this disease has the power to kill, and so many people that I know have died from this disease. 
And um, I don't want to be another one of them. I don't want to be another statistic. I don't want to be someone else's slogan. I don't want my gravestone as someone else in the room. So it might have been. I don't want that. I don't want that to be me. I just want to be the better version of me. So I'm back, and I'm going to go through the steps again, and I'm taking it one day at a time without a pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, madam. Good to hear you. And next we have Rick J. Good morning, Penny. Uh, thank you for your service. My name is Rick J. I am a compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. I'm recovered but not cured. And I have to remember that uh, part about not being cured. You know, I do have uh, recovery today, but uh, I work for it just one day at a time. And um, I really can relate so much with Bill's ego. And, you know, for me, you know, there's a part of me inside that was is broken. That was broken. You know that uh, I love thinking of it as that uh, that black hole soul. You know, and and it's like my ego is kind of like this force field protecting that shattered inside. You know, it just and it had to get bigger and bigger as that hole got bigger and bigger. And you know, just looking at the the wording of you know of what Bill is his journey so far you know he gets out of world war ii and um you know and he's been through this horrific war you know and he gets a special token for appreciation from you know from his guys and so that right there you know it's like well hey now my talent for leadership is going to put me at the head of vast enterprises which he would manage with the utmost assurance i mean that's that's coming from a token of appreciation you know, when he gets some success, uh, you know, it's speculation. And he's starting to make money. And, you know, and I had arrived. You know, now people are following him. And I can just so relate to that. Uh, you know, and getting golf fever, instead of just going out and getting golf clubs and going out and enjoying these beautiful golf courses, it's he's going to go overtake, you know, I, I guess I don't know much about Walter Hagen, but I imagine he was, you know, like the Tiger Woods of the day, right? I mean, he's the best, and he's not just going to go play. He's going to go overtake him while his wife's over there applauding. You know, I mean, just that visual of, you know, that grandiosity, that massive ego, you know, and any time I would get any accolades or any, you know, or the, the dream job or, you know, I think fairly recently I had um, – I got to do a, a photography show at, at museum here in, in Raleigh and I had arrived, you know, and I mean, I could not be anything other than like, come look, come look at this wonderful thing. Right. And instead of just being so grateful to have this amazing opportunity, you know, I had arrived and my, my mind works that way you know, that all or nothing. And if I'm connected to my ego, my selfishness and my self-centered core, that's how I will be. And if I am not connecting to God, if I'm not releasing anything that's blocking me from that power, and if I'm not continuing to connect to that power, my ego is always there. That's the core of this thing that I'm not cured from the physical allergy. And I'm not cured of selfishness and self-centeredness. I'm not cured of that ego on a daily basis. I do the spiritual actions that lead me into spiritual connection. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rick J. And next, Nessa. Good morning. 
Hi, good morning, edition for you. My name is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, and I'm going to jump on that bandwagon that uh, Rick started. Um, you know, this paragraph really illustrates the grandiosity, egotistical, um, self-centered, and delusional way of thinking of a an addict. You know, Walter Hagen is the third most winningest golfer in history behind Jack Nicklaus and um, Tiger Woods. So what are the chances that Bill was really going to over overtake Walter Hagen? I'm not sure, but I know that when I was, when I was in my disease, uh, in one of my restricting um, phases where I was very thin, I convinced myself that I could run a seven-minute mile, and I was trying to convince everybody else that I could. Um, and I'm sure my friend listened to me in amused skepticism. Um, you know, we do anything we can to elevate ourselves in our own eyes, in the eyes of others, because inside, and I, I'm gonna, I'll speak for myself, inside I felt so bad and so worthless. Um, and I know now, looking in hindsight, that that feeling of worthlessness was because I never kept my commitment. I never kept my commitments to anybody, especially myself. You know, when I told, you know, my, first my parents and later my husband and, you know, the doctors, no, this time is for real. This time I'm going to do it. This time I'm going to stick to my diet and I'm going to keep my weight off. And I broke those commitments to, to them. I broke those commitments to myself and I could never, ever do it. Um, thank God now, almost ten and a half years into recovery, I no longer have to do that. I don't have to try to impress other people. Um, I don't, it doesn't even matter to me what other people think about me anymore. Um, I think that as a result of this work, I have developed a, a good sense of self-esteem, which comes from doing esteemable things, not from work, not from running you know, seven-minute miles. It comes from, you know, being of service and helping others and helping others even when it's not convenient. I guess maybe even especially when it's not convenient because um, this is this is what is required of me. And, and, and Bill says it in the big book, you know, self-sacrifice for others. There is no self-sacrifice if there's no inconvenience. Um, and this is the focus today. The focus is not on me and what I can do. The focus uh, or even on what I need for that matter. The focus is on what I needed for, what God needs me for, what my family needs me for, what my friends, my fellows need me for. Um, and that is, um, that's what I do today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. That was Nessa Ah. And next, um, we're going to California. Raz G. Good morning, Penny, and good morning, everybody on the line. Uh, my name's Roz G, and yeah, I'm in California, and I'm wide awake at 4 a.m. on a Friday morning, and I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered, thank God. Um, and, you know, I really kind of have the same theme that everybody else has that has had so far, and um, my my little take on it is that, you know, I am a woman of mixed races. Um, and I uh, was brought up in Northridge, California, Porter Ranch, 
where in the early 70s it was 99% Caucasian people and me um, in my neighborhood being a person of mixed races with, you know, people that are all kinds of skin colors, the kids in the neighborhood saw who we were and they called me the N-word. And uh, I got bullied. Um, so that turned into me feeling um, less than and not enough and ashamed of who I was. And so later that turned into me needing to prove myself. All the way up into my, um, in my adulthood, after, you know, after being a mom, after having kids, even throughout OA, because I didn't have the ego deflation necessary that the steps give me. And uh, recent uh, uh, brags about myself were being on social media and having to post about, oh, I'm in a doctorate program and I'm going to be a doctor and every day, you know, sharing about um, how I was, you know, getting this degree and, you know, nobody really gives a you-know-what about what I possess and what I do. People really care about how I treat them, um, humility, uh, the relationships that I have, and uh, I don't need to do that anymore. But it was this thing where I need you to know who I am. I did it in OA too, you know. Just I need you to know me, see me. But, you know, as I as I mature in these steps and as I um, go through the ego deflation process, I my true friends come to light. I, I become a true friend. My true friends come to light. And as I heard earlier, I become another bozo on the bus. I learn about rotation of leadership. And when I, after a while, I've served for a while, I sit back and, and, and allow others to I love how we share, you know, once every few days so that we get a chance to listen and um, just be, just be. And God has created me to be who I am. And yes, I have obtained things in my life, but I don't need to show, show you anymore. All I need to do is just be Roz. And I get a lot of calls and, and people ask, you know, tell me, oh, Roz, I really... Did you say that again? Oops, that was Siri. Sorry, I'm having trouble hearing you. Siri, Siri's having trouble hearing me. <laughs> but anyway, um, just to say that, you know, the people who call me are the ones who are supposed to. The people I call are the ones I'm supposed I'm... to. And I thank you. And I have a beautiful life today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Raz G. And, um, and next we have Anna W., Good morning, Anna. Hi, can you hear me? This is Anna W. Yes. yes. Oh, okay, perfect. Sorry, I had some problems unmuting. Um, I'm in Florida. This is Anna W. I am in recovery. I'm grateful for that. I read this paragraph, um, and lately I've been reading these paragraphs and this text and kind of subbing out words, and it this just struck me so much because – uh, when I first came into the program and I was 32, uh, I, I was running, 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 running. Um, I got running fever. And I just, I remember just running so much. And I loved it. And it's, 
felt good and I called myself a runner and that made me run even more. And that is another, it, it, be, it developed, it became a, another huge part of this disease for me, which morphed into uh, exercise bulimia. And um, I found that I couldn't run enough. Uh, and you know what caught up with me was the food. Uh, I would joke and say, you know, I will run for food. That's because the running, which I loved, allowed me to eat more until I could not possibly run enough. Um, and I, you know, too, like everybody else has shared and many others, that the ego that was developed uh, in the weight loss. And, you know, I, I developed a, a very lean figure. And I look back at the pictures and I was like, wow, I was really lean at that time, but I was still suffering. So, you know, I, I look back at that time and it was a necessary part of my journey in recovery. Um, I had to bring all of that forward. And today I do look at this recovery and myself through this journey very lovingly. I accept all of those parts. I accept all of this disease as, as part of something that is bringing me closer to God, bringing me closer to the truth, capital T. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, I don't, um, when I became abstinent again at the beginning of, of this year, I put down exercising because I couldn't figure out how to do it in a sane way. And uh, I was abstinent without the insane exercise. And I'm slowly building that in and it feels good to have the food down. It feels good to have anything that would give me an effect down and to really uh, just have some balance. Um, and with all of that, there, there was no balance. Um, so anyway, I, I think that's it. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you for sharing, Anna W. And now uh, we have Carla S. to share. Good morning, Carla. Hi, good morning. This is Carla S. Um, I am a recovering um, overeater, binge eater, um, and bulimic, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm grateful to be here this morning, and, and good morning to everyone. Um, I um, this uh, I was speaking with my sponsor. Um, before the call, and um, she actually suggested that I come to these meetings. Um, so I've just, um, I've been in, in OA um, since uh, November 2020, and I'm um, also part of the HOW program. I joined January 2021, um, and I came in for food. Um, it became really clear to me that I had a big problem during the pandemic because I had lost my job and my husband um, divorced me and um, I thought maybe uh, I would just redo myself, have a transformation during the pandemic and, and show everyone my before and after. And um, I just engaged in a lifelong cycle of uh, dieting um, that lends instantly and swiftly knocked me down. Um, 
I realized I had a huge problem. And um, I came to OA because there was nothing left to do. Um, I've tried everything. and So um, I've been in recovery now for over a year, and it's it's been transformative in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, actually, it's been a, a miracle and to learn more about what higher power is. But at this moment, um, I'm re- I'm looking um, at strengthening that relationship, and um, I have a new sponsor because for the last month or so, I've been kind of gone that slippery slope of like something is happening. I don't know what. And uh, this morning we realized, my sponsor realized, she pointed out to me that I'm in the addiction cycle again, but not with food, with relationships, with people. And when she said that, I had like a sudden understanding of why it's always falling apart romantically. Um, Doesn't happen with my friends at all. We have such wonderfully rich relationships. But I can feel it in my body, and I think that's one of the things that I've come to understand so much that's so beautiful is that my body has like a, a kind of intelligence that is way more smart than my brain. I mean, you know, miles and miles more intelligent and is always telling me how how it feels and I've been unresponsive to it. I'm here today to try and acknowledge that amazingness about our bodies and and how much our bodies love us and want the goodness for us. Thank you so much and I appreciate this. I pass. Thank you. That was Carla S. And we're going to be taking more names after I tell everybody who may be have come in a little bit late that today we are in Bill's story. We're on page three, and we are reading from the third paragraph, just that one paragraph and sharing on that, the paragraph that starts with, in 1929 I contracted golf fever, ending in in and out of his tail with the muse skepticism. And again, just a reminder that if you shared on Wednesday or Thursday, we ask you to hold back and let other voices be heard. Who would like to get in the the queue? Rivka R. Loretta A. Pennsylvania. Lisa O. Loretta H. Nancy P. B. Lisa O. Anne Marie M. Let me stop you for a minute. Beth. These are the names I heard, and I know there were names in between. So if you gave your name already and I didn't hear it, please say it again. Someone with your last initial R. Riska R. from Baltimore. Riska? Yes. Okay. And then um, I have Loretta, Nancy P., um, Pete B., and that's it. So Terry J., Mary J. M. Chris M. Lane C. V. From Pennsylvania. Irene D. Pennsylvania. Hold on. Who was from Pennsylvania? Beth V. Beth V. As in Victor. Correct. Okay. I'm not sure we'll get all of you in, but here's who I have: Riska R. Mary J. Loretta, Nancy P. Pete B. Chris M. and Beth V. 
So let's go right to Riska. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Okay, great. Hi, it's um, Riska R., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Baltimore. Um, so even in this paragraph, I can find something to identify with Bill, even though I'm not a golfer. Um, and what jumped out at me was the local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till with amused skepticism. And um, skepticism is, is doubt and disbelief. So I couldn't white-knuckle very long. It was like holding my head underwater. But when I was 20, um, and I'm 67 now, so this has been a lifelong obsession. But when I was 20, I decided, okay, this is it. I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to get this weight off. I had, at that point, only had 20 pounds to lose. And uh, I you know, believed the greatest lie that I ever told myself, which was that if I just got the weight off, I would keep it off. So I went to Physicians Weight Loss Clinic and, you know, got these shots every morning of HCG, which is a hormone from the urine of pregnant uh, mares. Um, and I was put on a 500-calorie diet. And somehow I managed to get through four weeks of that and lost the 20 pounds. Um, and then I, at the, at the end of four weeks, and the, and the only way I got through that was by totally obsessing about food. I mean, I rewrote cookbooks. That's what I did. I just took cookbooks and I just rewrote them. <laughs> Um, but I decided that before I started maintenance, I would go to the health food store because, of course, I ate healthy food, uh, and I would buy everything I could possibly want to eat, and then I would go home and eat it, and then I would start maintenance. Well, you know, usually you think of, you know, bankers or, you know, checkout cashiers as not somebody who will uh, have doubt and disbelief of what you're doing. They're kind of neutral and don't really make any ju- you know, value judgments. But I went with, to the uh, cashier with all the food that I was buying um, for this, you know, the, the binge before uh, maintenance. And um, she looked at me and she said, with, with but disbelief, she said, is this all for you? <laughs> and I was shocked that a cashier would say that to me. Um, and I lied, of course, and I said, oh, oh, no, no, I'm feeding a few people at home. Um, and, of course, I, I, you know, I, I went home. I, I ate it all. My stomach actually spasmed. I was in so much pain that I had to go to a doctor, and, and he thought it was some horrible disease. And, of course, I didn't tell him that I had binged. Um, and that was the end of it. That was the end. You know, next month I was 24 pounds up. I never went back for, for maintenance. It was impossible. It was just an impossible situation that you know i i was i was in i was totally powerless and helpless um and anyway i'm just so thankful so thankful today to have neutrality that i can see you know i can tell the uh the truth from the lie today and i can i i can be in a place of of neutrality and acceptance of what my truth is today and so thank you all and have a wonderful day Thank you, Riska. Uh, uh, and next, um, Mary J. Mary J. All right, let's go on to Loretta, and we'll come back. Could that be? Could that, that be Mary J? Could that be Terry? Jay. All right, go ahead. Hi, this is Terry J in Michigan. Terry J. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 
No problem, Penny. Thanks for your service. I am uh, three days abstinent, thank God. I have been on a horrible binge um, last week, and uh, I'm just grateful to have made it through and to be back on track one day at a time. You know, all I got to do is stay abstinent today and uh, do the work. You know, that's the other part that I have to do really is the work, you know, to get into the steps and live by the steps and uh, stay connected. And I also want to say thank you to everybody at A Vision for You that reached out to me um, Tuesday. I I really appreciated it. It was a boost up. And uh, just keep on praying for me. Keep lifting me up one day at a time, one fight at a time. And uh, to stay on this abstinent trail that I'm on. And thanks for hearing my name, Penny, and everybody have a great day. Thank you so much, Terry J. And um, Loretta, you're next. Thank you, Penny, for hearing me. And thank you, everyone on this line, along with my precious God who is saving my life today, Loretta H. Recovered in Raleigh, North Carolina. I identify in with the shares and I identify in with this paragraph. Golf fever. I got marathon fever. I lived in New York City in the 80s and I thought I was going to overtake Greta Wakes. That was my story because I need that type of validation because I felt so... so small. And it's interesting because I've looked up the word contracted. And there's almost two meanings that are almost opposite of each other. One is decreased and diminished, and the other one is a promise and a pledge to engage. Now, that was my story. I ran because I wanted to lose weight and eat. And it's interesting. I know... um, because my husband used to belong to a country club. I'm sure that Bill not only wanted to beat Walter Hagen, but he also, they have wonderful bars at these country clubs. So not only could he do, somebody's unmuted, not only could he do his um, stardom, but he can also do his demise. And that's kind of what I did in my whole life with, I needed that validation. I took my first job because it actually had a weight restriction. I ran marathons because I could lose weight and eat. I, um, anything I did was for the wrong reason. And uh, most of the things that I did are healthy reasons, but I always did them to the extreme because that's my personality. I'm just, I'm an extremist. And so with God's grace and mercy in 2002, I was able to finally have a relationship with somebody or something that was bigger than me that actually I listened to because I share this all the time. I walked into OA and I was the most dishonest person in the world. And today I do an honest day's work to save my soul and my heart and my mind one day at a time. And that's working these steps and trusting God. That's an action to trust God. And my life is much, much 
healthier today, and it's also much, much um, more rewarding today. Even though I don't need to run marathons, I don't need to be validated by being too rich or too thin. I just need to be validated by God and be a maximum service to God and others. And that's where I get to be a star. And that's so, I mean, beyond my wildest dreams, I up in heaven. So anyway, thank you all. Uh, God's sightings await and surrender in serenity today. Blessings. And thank you, Penny, again. I love your voice. <laughs> Thank you, Loretta H. And next, we have Nancy P. from the Bay State. <laughs> hey, Penny, fellow Bay Stater. Um, Nancy P. recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts, terrible cold, which is actually not a cold, it's COVID, but I'm getting through it. Anyways, um, uh, Bill, and then uh, Nancy, <laughs> that's all that I have to say. You know, my ego is always there. My My ego was always there. And just like Bill started out to overtake Walter Hagen, I started a lot of things with the highest possible um, commitment of time and money. You know, whether it was I was going to be do this hobby or, you know, I'd take a job that um, I wasn't quite qualified for, but I felt like I could grow into it. And, you know, I, I sort of walked on that particular kind of tightrope for basically my entire career, my entire working life. Not that I had a career per se. Um, but I, I know that when money wasn't, when all that was important was money, I never had a, a hard time making a good a good salary, pretty good salary. And, um, you know, to this day, I have a house full of stuff that was going to be the answer to all the free time I was going to have as soon as I mastered my current job. And, you know, I would have some success at work and then I would decide to take up a new hobby and my ego caused jobs to disintegrate and I'd either get fired or decide that my abilities were unappreciated and then I'd leave. And I caromed around right into a brick wall and everything fell apart. And it was at that point that my, my worst indulgences as a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety sprang into being which was when my daughter started, you know, hacking herself up with a razor blade and burning herself to a crisp. And everything before then, which was not exactly chump change, like with my eating, became the wind-up for the final horrible pitch for my violent eating, not even chewing my donuts or bagels. Just this visceral need to swallow, swallow, swallow the food so that I could get more of it into my body. And I've seen dogs fighting over bones with more manners. And today, when my when, you know, when I'm not sure how to do something, I might try to do it in a certain way. I might try a few times to make sure I know what I'm doing. But if it doesn't work, I don't spend a lot of time trying things that don't work. And with eating, I knew it wasn't working in real time because I never, ever, ever felt better. And I was trying to outrun my feelings, but they just weren't giving up the ghost. They were always there, always there, right next to me, right there to, to like, surround me Ugh. and it wasn't even that wasn't my bottom just like bill for the next at that time in my life you know those yeah about four and a half years ago i hardly drew a sober breath you know until i was stopped again you know that like not on my knees face down in the mud until i called my dear dear friend you know after i had just finished my afternoon dozen donuts sobbing in my car 
And she told me she hadn't picked up in four and a half years. And she finally, finally had my attention. And, um, you know, she told me about this meeting. And um, she said it was a phone meeting. And all I said was phone meeting. And she said, no, no. She talked to my thinking, which she could hear. And I said, I said phone meeting. She said, no, no, no. This one's different because my thinking was, F no, I'm not going to that dumb meeting. That phone meeting suck and they suck and you suck and forget it. And um, she gave me the number. I asked for the website and she said, no, write it down. I'll wait. And I had to dig a sticky pen out of my sticky donut covered purse and get a sticky piece of paper. And I dialed into a vision for you on December 1st of 2017. I have not had to hurt myself with food since that day. And I know from listening all these years that um, I am still one of the lucky ones for that. But it can be done. And um, if it can happen for me, it can happen for you. The only thing that you need, say it with me, surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And next we have Pete B. Thank you, Penny. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy out of Pennsylvania. And uh, thanks for taking me, Penny. doing a great job. I love hearing you. Um, Anyway, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I've been listening, you know, when I can this week because I'm traveling. It's always interesting when we read Bill's story, you know. And, you know we have people that, that, that sit down in advance of the meeting and prepare a three-minute share to comment about Bill Wilson's ego. It, it, it's, it's actually funny if you think about it. You, you know what I mean? I, I got I to make sure my, my, my thoughts are in order. You know, so people can, you know, what's driving that? What, you know, what's driving that impulse, right? Getting nervous about reading the 12 steps before the meeting, right? We've been, we've been reading in front of people since we're in kindergarten. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the point I'm trying to make is I don't think we're in, you know, I don't think we're in any kind of position to make an assessment about Bill Wilson and his ego, Right? Here's the thing. We all have ego. We're never going to not have ego. It's been given to us by the creator. This process is a process of right-sizing that ego, right? of, getting us, of getting us into the correct and proper alignment as our higher power would have it be right? with regard to all of our instincts. Right? Bill Wilson seems to me like he's a man with ambition. That's another instinct we have to be ambitious, to survive, to provide, right? These are, all, these are all natural instincts. It's just, it's interesting how, you know, we said we sit back and we think because of this experience we have in these 12-step recovery programs or these fancy treatment centers we go to that we have figured it out. These are the traits. I recognize that in him. And that's just, you know, that, that's just me trespassing in ground that I don't belong. I have no, I, I, the book tells me I can't even distinguish the true from the false in me. What makes me think I can distinguish the true from the false in somebody else? It's, it's just, it, 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 you know, it blows my mind. I do, I, do, I do the same thing, right? Today I want to be without judgment. I want to be without, I want to be without an opinion about Bill Wilson. You know what Bill Wilson has? An allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, right? And everything else that we're going to read about, these are all just various character traits, things that we have, things that we might not have, right? What I have is, a, is, what I about have ego. is a disease on the face of this earth, right? I have Talk about ego. Body and obsession of the mind. 
an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind. You can chime in all you want back up, moderator. Yeah, you don't scare me. None of you scare me. I walk a free man today. I walk a free man today, free of judgment, I'm worried about your opinions of me or anybody else, right? I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy, the way I'm supposed to be. And with that, I'll pass. Penny C. We can't hear you, moderator. Penny. Okay, um, Beth V. I asked if you could wait till the second hour because we are going to be out of time. And Chris M. Um, we have two more minutes if you would like to take that. Hi, Beth. Chris M. Hi, can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. Okay, thanks, Penny, and everyone else um, doing service today on Friday. Um, Chris, I'm compulsive overeater from Ontario, Canada. Um, so what struck me today is the words I developed, the sentence I developed called fever. And it didn't hit me right away. It took me a while sort of uh, just listening. And uh, my higher power, who I call Hilda, she spoke to me and was like, you know, Chris, get in on this. So I did not recognize, and not only did I have, you know, the compulsive food behavior, but I just have compulsive behavior in general. Even in recovery, you know, I started, um, I, I, I would do so many things to extreme, to that fever approach. And not necessarily like, you know, competing with anyone but myself, but that drive for validation, that drive for, you know, um, look at me, the ego, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, because everything for me comes down to selfishness and self-centeredness. Even my other character defects, the root seems to always be that. And it took, you know, it took the working the steps and continuing to work the steps, um, slipping and sliding along the way, for my higher power to be able to show me that this fever approach that I take, I have taken with different things, even within recovery, that is not her will for me. That is not healthy. That is not balanced. That is not where I'm supposed to be. So I'm really grateful to read this paragraph and be on the meeting today. And reading Bill's story is really you know, really helping me uh, relate to him as an addict and reminding me again, even though I've been almost two years abstinent and, you know, recovered, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm I'm constantly, it's just one day at a time, one day at a time. So um, I'm grateful that I've been shown that compulsive behavior in so many things in my life and that my higher power has helped me acknowledge it, work through it, release it, and just keep trudging along. So with that, I pass, and happy Friday to everybody, and I'm grateful to be here with all of you. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Chris M., and thank you to everyone who shared and everyone who attended today. 
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Friday, May 13, 2022, is 18,957-18957. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I'm going to ask Anne-Marie M. to read that selection for us on page 164. Good morning. Good morning. This is Anne-Marie M. And through God's grace, recovered from compulsive overeating. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to, to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the records of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.